0: Hello! This is old news. My name's David. And I'm Russell. It's good to be back. This will be episode 20. Yeah. To be honest, we're just trying to catch up with the uh, the Last Tuesday project.
1: Because <laughs>
0: they're on a monthly schedule and we're supposed to be on a fortnightly schedule. Yet they have as many episodes as us, if not more, if you count their mini sores. Yeah. And we noticed... Uh... Doing well there, lads!
1: <laughs> but I noticed that... Well, we saw the figures earlier today, didn't we? That our down- downloads have gone down slightly, probably because of the disruption in our yeah. schedule. So uh, it's good to have you back. If you are here, I must uh, say thank you to new listener Alex who got in touch. He he listened to the last episode, which was uh, the episode on Millennium Bug, the Millennium Bug, and he really enjoyed it. So and then because we trailed this one. And uh, he pointed me in the direction of a, a documentary worth watching on uh, on YouTube, so thank you for that. And that was good primer and reminder
0: for things this morning, so yeah, excellent. And uh, what's you with you? I got snored in on Wednesday, mm-hmm. nearly got stuck in my car on the way home on Tuesday night because I made a poor decision pulling off the A1 early and got trapped on the side Nowhere.
1: streets. And despite it's beginning to warm up now and the, the, the snow is beginning to thaw, you got stuck in the snow twice today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Luckily, one was near your house, but the first one, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do until that guy turned up with his uh, Land Rover. So we need to uh, express our thanks to Anonymous Man in Land Rover. Yeah, Anonymous Man in White, uh, Land Rover Discovery. Well done, if you're a listener. <laughs> Who must live somewhere in your neck of the woods, because <coughs> he's on the way up to Yeah, Walbridge.
1: presumably, mm.
0: yeah. Hey, Henny, it's Old Newsman. If you'd like to get in touch with us, go to our website, www.oldnews.podbean.com. Or you can email us, oldnews at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook, just search for Old News Podcast. Or connect to us through Twitter, at Old News Pod. We're also on YouTube. This week's beer of indeterminate strength.
1: Oh yes, we're uh, unseasonally drinking Christmas beer. Yeah. Ebionezer Scrooge. Terrible punning. <laughs> that was that was going to be the whole aim.
0: Everything was going to have a terrible pun.
1: But isn't that kind of the, the stock and trade of the real ale yeah. business anyway, is yeah. just terrible puns. Wasn't there a Christmas beer at one point called
0: Murray Christmas? I think uh, so, which and actually had myrrh in was it. was flavoured with myrrh. Did yeah. you ever try it? I think I did. It was disgusting. Yeah, it had a
1: well I don't think it tasted of anything much, but it, it had a sort of a perfume of well, like, myrrh, myrrh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's probably the one and only time I've ever smelled myrrh. Yeah, in, in a beer. Yeah. I've smelled frankincense before. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mum and dad had a small sample of frankincense yes. that somebody had brought as a gift from, well, presumably the Holy Land, I yes,
0: guess? Yes, I guess, yeah. I wonder if there's still much production of it. Almost like, certainly is. I mean, yeah, it must get the used the a lot in, you know, yeah, yeah. in the Coptic church and that kind of thing. It's still
1: useful, for like embalming and things. Do you think that's still a thing?
0: Is hmm. there a difference between frankincense and just incense? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Does frankincense form part of incense? I really don't know. Hmm. I've no idea. Something it, to look up. Incense, do you burn it or do you just heat it? Can't you do both? Don't you set, set it away smouldering under certain circumstances?
1: Yeah, is it like a... I don't know if incense is like a solid or is it like an oil that you heat up in a, a lamp or whatever? I know nothing about smoke on a rope. Yeah, there we are.
0: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Anybody who's a member of the Catholic or Orthodox churches? Or just knows about it. incense. You spend a lot of time to. in those sort of crystal shops <laughs> where you buy dream catchers and... Oh. Justics and things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also
1: found that a strange idea. You'd have a, like a, a holy smell. I know it seems very at odds to the rest, like, especially in Christianity. It seems like very at odds with the rest of the theology.
0: You know, mm. I, I don't know. Seems to me, it seems like a hangover from pre-Christian religions.
1: Well, presumably, yeah. I mean, perfumes and that. Yeah, yeah. Incense is long-standing, isn't it? Probably mm. exists in all religions. And I guess it has a relationship with fire as well. Presumably, burning something, it's making an unusual. Perfume type smell that's kind of miraculous in a way isn't it you know maybe you holy or pure mm-hmm. oh well, that's a curious a curious thought to begin the, <laughs> the podcast on yeah. <laughs> religious guesswork <laughs> theological guesswork from, from
0: beer to theology
1: <laughs> in, in I know seven a, steps i know a guy who is a, like a philosopher theologian so i should probably just ask him
0: old Okay, should we move on to today's subject?
1: Yes, so as previously trailed, uh, both in person and uh, in the last episode, we're going to be talking about Ben Johnson, the 1988 uh, Olympics. We always put a date on things, so the 100 metres final for the men happened on the 24th of September 1988 and the uh, Seoul Olympics, the summer, Summer Olympics, obviously. These were kind of the first Olympics I really remember. I was watching some of the clips of the... You know, obviously the race itself and some of the things that happened but yeah, you know, there were, I remember you know, the, there was like the kind of swirl type logo they had oh, and, yeah. and there was a lot of stuff that sort of came back to me you know, probably one of the first things first Olympics I ever really watched what is strange is how late in the year it is Twenty fourth of September.
0: Oh yeah, that is quite late. Yeah, and do I was you, I wonder why that was. Any idea. Is it because it's hot in Korea earlier in the year?
1: I mean the heat hasn't usually put them off summer Olympics, but presumably no. there was a reason for it. Yeah, I mean do you remember much of the, of watching those Olympics or
0: I don't really. Um, mm. I remember it being on and I remember watching the open opening yeah. ceremony I remember talking about the Ben Johnson thing at school after it happened but I don't really remember yeah. anything else about it.
1: You, you're, you've been a little bit older than me, do you remember the
0: LA Olympics? I do remember the LA Olympics again I can't remember anything about it I remember it being on do you remember being aware of it. the men in jetpacks in the opening ceremony? Yeah. Summer, that, that was sort of very famous. Yeah I remember the men it? with the jetpacks.
1: Yeah, uh, This being a sport issue, we weren't we're neither us are particularly sporty people mm. and i thought it'd be worth talking just a little bit about like the very early origins of this podcast because this started as a joke between me and a friend in the pub uh, and he my friend is, is very into uh, sports hello ian if you're listening and he suggested the because we were talking about being able to bluff, bluff our way the subjects mm-hmm. and i was saying that obviously like not being into football for example but i i work with a lot of guys who are and so i have to at least be able to make conversation and it's quite the art just as a social grace and this was this joke that well if let's do a podcast we'd be like an hour long and it would always be on a sports team and it would be up to me to be able to bluff my way through <laughs> the subject through yeah. the subject. <laughs> I could probably bluff my way through football for an hour, like whatever's going on, I suppose. doesn't take much to catch up on who is where in the table and whatever. Mm. But I think this subject brings an awful lot of other issues out. You know, we don't need to concentrate so much on athletics or sprinting as a particular sport.
0: Oh, dews, oh, dews, oh, dews, oh, dews, oh, dews. Oh, news.
1: The actual race itself, Do you, did we watch this live? I don't remember watching it live. I remember seeing it, but given the time difference between the two, if I remember rightly, a lot of the broadcasting was done on sort of relay, so it would have been broadcast live in the middle of the night, but then repeated during the day in the UK. So I think I might have seen this certainly on the day it happened, but it might not have been live. It would probably be later that day. And it would have been the next day. In uh, course, he breaks his own record: nine point seven nine seconds, which was the world record just for a a moment. Mm -hmm. So, should we talk a little bit about Ben Johnson himself, and just like establish the story a little bit? You've got a little bit about where, like his origins, where he came from. Mm.
0: So, who is Ben Johnson? (laughs) he was born in Jamaica emigrated to Canada in 1976 he was 15 at the time so a teenager he hasn't gone to Canada just for the sprinting I don't think no he's taken there by his 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 family by by his mother yeah Yeah. skip forward in time his first sort of international success in sprinting was at the Commonwealth Games in 1982 where he got two silver medals
1: oh right yeah and that's like a common route for Canadian athletes do well Mm -hmm. at the Commonwealth Games perhaps you know before you make an impression
0: in the following year at the World Championships, he uh, came sixth in his semi final. Okay. So, having done pretty well at the Commonwealth Games, once faced with a world of runners rather than just.
1: Yeah, and the Americans in particular, I suppose, yeah, the, the big people to beat, right? He didn't do. I mean, didn't obviously better than me, fire, for example. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> he's sort of being introduced to the world of professional running, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he sort of comes in contact with his coach, a guy called Charlie Francis, and he's a bit of a key figure. Here. Uh, He was a successful Canadian athlete who he'd given up like a business career to then take up the coaching, or for the love of the coaching. Right. And his sort of thinking was that there'd been actually quite a lot of Jamaicans had moved from the Caribbean to Canada, Toronto area, uh, in that era, sort of the mid 70s into the 80s. Jamaica and the Caribbean has a very strong tradition of sprinting sprinting's their thing it's, it's sort of along with cricket it's kind of their sport in the same way that Finland has javelin right? It? it's just like that one bit of the world the, the Nordic countries but Finland in particular like javelin's their thing sprinting's very much the sport in, in the Caribbean and Jamaica in particular so he put together this team of runners and you know he was developing them and then at one point they come across to Europe to one of the, uh, the race meets in Europe and they don't do very well this is all very well-worn in the media, so everybody can go watch a documentary on YouTube like I did, or, you know, whatever, and you can find this out. They come across the East Germans who were quite dominant in, like, track and field, or very successful given that they're a country of 14 million people i think they were very successful at swimming as well as hmm. well as the uh track and field and this was because they had a drug program Yep, state-sponsored state-sponsored drug program though this was commonly known nobody was saying anything about it these germans were kept passing their drug tests you know so it had nothing had been proven when they got back to canada having not done very well in europe this was a decision the coach said You know, do you want to keep going as we are or do we want to win and obviously the decision was made right we're going to start this drug program and at first that it's not quite as optimal and and then they they get like the second sort of key figure in the, or the third key figure i guess is a uh, doctor astiform george astiform who i think is known as jamie commonly and he's the doctor that sort of administers the drug program from that point on the other the steroids and he actually introduces like new drugs in so one of them is like it's a agricultural drug for bulking up the meat in cows and things before they slaughter it's all very strange i wonder what motivates people you know i can understand what motivates johnson he wants to win he wants to win badly this is not to excuse that behavior but i understand the motivation i understand the coach as well because he wants to win yeah he wants his athletes to be successful the doctors
0: on the other hand what motivates the doctor yeah to look for unusual drugs yeah,
1: yeah. Other than other than some, some sort of vicarious pleasure in helping somebody win and beat the system and and make yeah. money, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose make money. I guess perhaps it is a curious thing. They, they just seem evil in this. <laughs> that makes sense. They're lurking in the background. Everybody remembers the fellow up front, but actually, this is a bit of a team effort in this sort of cheating. So yeah, we that we've got this lead up, and then the beginning of nineteen ninety eight doesn't go very well because he, he has a, a hamstring injury so then he comes back he still is a bit hampered with the injury mm-hmm. and there's a race meet in uh, Zurich I think it's like the last event before the Olympics sort of seen as the like the Olympic warm-up event of that particular year and uh, he comes third and so there's a bit of a panic mm-hmm. and up till now the game they've been playing well bear in mind he, he took the world championship in 1987 and broke the record in 1987 mm-hmm. So he's doing quite well otherwise. But after, uh, there's this Zurich panic. And so the game they've been playing is to take the drugs in three week cycles, whatever it is, and then stop before the event, and then allow enough time to elapse so that when you get tested at the events, you don't get caught. And of course, what he does is he takes it for a little bit too long and too close up until the start of the Olympics so it's not all out of his system. Yeah, so the seeds of his downfall are sown in the, well obviously he's taking drugs as a regular thing anyway, but the seeds are sown in the, in those last few months. So we have the yeah, the race itself and I've got the yeah, the running order of positions. The winner is Johnson with the world records. You can watch the footage and I do remember seeing the photo mm-hmm. of you know, as he, he knows he's ahead, he knows he's streets ahead of everybody else and before he actually crosses the line he raises his hand in the air with the finger pointing I'm number one mm-hmm. you know look at me because uh, he's beating the great rival of course is Carl Lewis of the USA who yeah. takes silver and third is David Christie so we've got uh, Canada USA United Kingdom and then just for the sake of completeness in uh, fourth Calvin Smith Dennis Mitchell Robinson la Silva who's brazil desai williams canada and ray stewart who's jamaica so all the traditional western nations and caribbean nations there you know for the, those types of events yeah and probably all competitors who are either african-american or of caribbean origin that cultural sort of thing is there, uh, sort of sprint sprinting in in those communities out of curiosity of those eight do you know how many were called for drugs no. at any point in their career One, two, three, four, five. Right. Out of those eight finalists, five of them, Mm -hmm. Johnson's the first to get caught in that race. The later date, both Lewis and Christie, who are big, big names, Mm -hmm. end up in trouble for various things, which, like bans and whatever and also the lesser known names Mitchell and, and Williams for USA in Canada respectively they, they both have uh, problems where, where they get caught for drugs at later dates so we were talking earlier about you know, there's there's a, there's a bit of a legal aspect to this you know we can't make accusations and say so-and-so is a cheat or so-and-so yeah. took drugs or whatever but we can certainly say in those five cases and I think it'd be very safe to say athletics has a problem
0: yeah, certainly did then. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Russian team at the moment, all the problems Russia are having.
1: Exactly, it's, yeah. And you just think, this is nothing new. You know, like, the, like historically we've got problems of people like, didn't, like in the 1900s, there was like cyclists using heroin and things. Cocaine you know, cold cocaine yeah. just to overcome pain. And, I mean, we'll get on to like the kind of the, the general point, what, what sport is for, I suppose, later. It seems to me there's been a lot of talk about Johnson Having had this like step change in ability. Yeah. from his, like, sort of debut to all of a sudden becoming successful. And there was a lot of whispering around the edges.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, it was seen as sour grapes from uh, Lewis after the race. But he said that there was people coming out of nowhere and that there was gold medalists at this competition who were obviously on drugs and stuff like yeah. that. But there was, there was whistleblowers beforehand as well um, in oh, 1986. Right. Mike Dwyer, I think okay. I pronounced that right, yeah. no, another Canadian sprinter. Voice concerns that drugs were epidemic in the Canadian team, especially from the Toronto people from the Toronto area, okay, so there was training people.
1: under that one guy, yeah. so he's sort of making the allegation at that team without naming them as such, yeah, yeah. that's right,
0: course is the whole thing that he had this rivalry with Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis beat him eight times in a row, and then all of a sudden, Ben Johnson comes along and starts breaking world records, yeah.
1: and and beat Carl Lewis continuously for a period of three years. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting is this kind of step change in performance that leads to suspicions. This foreshadows some of the things we'll talk about later on. Yeah, but it becomes a common theme. There are some people pointing the finger. The problem is, is that like they're maybe like minor figures. And they're easily dismissed, aren't they? Yeah. Well, you're not a winner, though. Like sour grapes, right? Yeah. And, of course, the reality is that they're speaking out probably because they're working hard and not getting...
0: Yeah, not getting anywhere.
1: It also says to me that there's a bit of a conspiracy of silence. Interesting in that documentary, the BBC documentary, it's called Reputations, if you want to look it up. There's a Canadian journalist and sports journalist saying that they wanted to go along with the myth. The story, yeah. it was a fairy tale, it was a great story for Canada. They didn't want to believe whispering on the edges it all sounds so familiar with stories we've had more recently it sort of leads us into what what happens next Was three days later he's, dis- well, he's disqualified right just totally is an aside very famous bbc sports presenter at the time there uh, des linem who's a, who's a real sort of uh fixture uh he he was on the tv and he's handed a piece of paper and he says i've just been handed a piece of paper and what's on it and if it's true is quote the most dramatic thing, sorry, the most dramatic story out of the Olymp, this Olymp, Olymp, Olympics or perhaps any others. Well, hmm, if it's not in poor taste, I think the story from Munich may perhaps be maybe, maybe a little more yeah,
0: dramatic. Yeah, maybe. A bit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> perhaps. But certainly, in terms of sporting, sporting. stories, yeah. sports news story, it probably was. I, mean, it was wall to wall press coverage. There's some excellent footage of Johnson, who he gets expelled from the games and he goes home that day. I think just the the enormous pack of press at the airport whatever it's just unreal like huge huge going huge reminders around him and like jostling whatever this was big news
0: did you read about the thing one of his teammates did out of his bedroom window at the uh, olympic village oh no put a sheet outside that said uh, from hero to zero in 9.79 seconds right you wonder if that team member knew
1: i suppose in some way they may not have known they just maybe just felt really hurt
0: yeah well you'd you'd feel let down wouldn't you
1: Yeah and even at this distance I still think a lot a lot of the people of the time do mm-hmm. feel hurt and disappointed and angry, yeah, because it's your teammate, and you're there. Yeah. Obviously, it's outside particularly at the Olympics. We see them as national representatives. Mm-hmm. But I think for a
0: lot of athletes, that's quite secondary to... Yeah, them doing well, their personal bests and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. they
1: just want to win. And that, that says something, I think says something that speaks to the character of Ben Johnson himself, who isn't a terribly sympathetic person when you see him interviewed. You know, he, he just comes across as slightly unfriendly. <laughs> He's a mm-hmm. bit of a peculiar character old news candor is obviously thrown into turmoil in terms of its sporting politics and you know all the people that administer uh, olympic sports and athletics and so they have a thing called the dubbin inquiry dubbin is the fellow who is chairing the inquiry and this is all brought out into the open up until the inquiry ben johnson denied everything yes and so this has gone from being caught to lying He does, he lies. He says, I'm clean. And then he says, oh, well, I didn't knowingly take anything. Putting the blame onto the doctor, right? One of the
0: things was that he'd been given some, he'd had some beer so that he could urinate. And that he thought someone had put the drug in the beer. Right. It was one one of the things he came out with.
1: Twisting in the wind. Yeah yeah the inquiry does two things one the doctor asked he, he comes and he spills his gut and it turns out despite the fact that he's been kind of the confidant and taking over the role of the coach in some ways he's also been recording telephone conversations with johnson right and tape recordings and meetings in offices whenever it all comes out in the inquiry so the doctor goes well if i'm going down i'm going to throw everybody under the bus including Johnson. So Johnson's lies are exposed. Then he then testifies uh, later in the inquiry or last. He's just forced to admit, yes, that's what I did. did.
0: The doctor even said uh, that he'd been taking drugs since 1981.
1: So kind of from the very early days of his career.
0: Yeah. It's so sad, isn't it, for somebody who was obviously so naturally talented Mm. and had the focus.
1: Mm -hmm. Maybe he just didn't quite have the talent though i don't know This just to me this just this question mark all of the records from that era in yeah. the 80s until the reforms come in post johnson they're all questionable aren't they yeah maybe we need to be looking down at the fifth sixth and seventh places to find people who perhaps are actually
0: the real stars yeah and they're all forgotten i find that quite tragic in a way i wonder at what point someone will come forward and say yeah in such and such olympics i was taking drugs I wonder if any of them will come out and say, you know, any gold winners in anything, whether it's swimming or Mm. hammer or or any of the sports. Yeah, marathon or whatever perhaps. You know, in 2025, will some now-ageing athlete come forward and say yeah actually i got this gold medal but i shouldn't have and will some floodgates open but it's been a long time now it's been 25 years and we still still haven't had anyone 30 years and we still don't
1: have it and maybe that says something about people who just want to win that Mm -hmm. focus is still there isn't it like so johnson's tune changes after he's forced to admit the lie and admit that he cheated His tune since has been, well, I still ran that
0: fast that day. Mm -hmm. The only crime I committed was I got caught. Yeah, that's not really the crime, though, is it? (laughs) You wouldn't say, oh, I murdered that person. But the only crime I committed was getting caught.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He then changed his tune again and said, oh, there's a conspiracy to get me. that Mm. They were going to test me, not anybody else.
0: Because apparently in the
1: World Championships in 87, when he gets the record, he claims there was a mysterious person in the drug testing room who wasn't part of the drug testing team and... Right. All this business, right? So he's saying there's a conspiracy, right? And I don't buy anything Johnson has to say at this point. But maybe there is a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy of people who are worried about what's happening. Yeah, the, the, the whistleblowers on the edges. There's probably people in the science community that support
0: all of this, know what's going on, but know that their testing regime doesn't really make sense. So they yeah. want to try and catch someone, so they can, you know, so they've got evidence to say right, we need to change things. NE WS old news
1: the next point I wanted to move on because look at the, the, the news aspect of this is like the Canadian response once he gets the world championship in 87 he's a big star he, he was gone from being a rising star to being one of Canada's most bankable both stars outside of hockey mm-hmm. ice hockey depending who you are. <laughs> I just had this argument with the Canadians recently if you call it ice hockey you're clearly an outsider
0: yeah but it's not though hockey's played with a ball
1: yeah but they would call that field hockey well they're Um, wrong well yeah they are clearly wrong because it was obviously (laughs) invented with a ball first (laughs) that just makes sense yeah Yeah. anyway so he's a Big star. He has a huge amount of fame. He's commanding big fees for you know cutting ribbons on supermarket openings and all of this, you know, easy he, uh, sponsorship deals and the rest. And part of this, I hadn't really thought about this before. He he represented part of Canadian identity as distinctly from American identity because and, and this is to do with race relations. And I don't set myself up as an expert on race relations in in the North Americas. Canada's race relations are very different. It tends to be less, although those have issues it, it's much less conflicted than obviously the history of the civil war and slavery and so on in the u.s mm-hmm. because canada was the place that slaves led to yeah and so you've got that history that the canadians hold very dear and rightly so i would say you've also got sort of trudeau's vision of a modern canada that canada would be diverse but united as canadians obviously these african or oh, caribbean communities had arrived in the 70s and it was it was the hope that there would be canadians they would integrate they would would be canadian canada would be united behind a figure like johnson you know he provides like a figurehead for that sort of vision of, of canada's future or present i suppose at that point and of course he portrays it in the canadian press i mean there, there was a very famous cartoon i found the cartoon but i can't find its source i think it's from one of the montreal newspapers and it's in three panels describing a cartoon on the air yeah. i can imagine the, where this on, is going on the internet and there's three captions one is canadian wins gold mm-hmm. two jamaican Canadian fails drugs test three jamaican, jamaican loses gold. gold medal yeah and it says something about how quickly uh, a lot of canadians felt they wanted to drop him they were so embarrassed and so ashamed mm-hmm. and so angry and you know and obviously this this Jamaican-Canadian wasn't a thing beforehand he's Canadian but now he's Jamaican-Canadian and that speaks to like some of the racial tensions in Canada and you know the level to which integration really goes Uh, and by the way although we're talking about Canada you know the log in my own eye you know we have our own issues in the UK of course there's a headline from the Ottawa Citizen newspaper (laughs) quotes thanks a lot you bastard
0: oh crumbs on the front (laughs)
1: page (laughs) on the front page okay. of like a major newspaper i can really feel for the the canadians at that point
0: old news is available on itunes PocketCasts, player fm the apple podcast app and all your favorite podcast apps we're also on TuneIn Radio, and Amazon's Alexa and Google's Assistant can play us just by asking. Technology, yeah?
1: Right, so that leads us nicely into... I've got a kind of parallels with section here. And the first one is Dwayne Chambers. Yeah. Who's a slightly lesser known, but a successful sprinter in the UK. Mm-hmm. And did he hold the European... European record or won gold at the European Championships. You know, a talented man, yeah. and then was caught taking another another thing called THG, the drug that uh, Johnson used was Danzanol, and THG was a performance-enhancing drug. So he's caught, but not only is he caught, and what always made me very angry with uh, Dwayne Chambers in particular was that he was part of the four
0: x four relay, yeah, and that was one of our few gold medals. It isn't the Olympics where it's not the Olympics ...she was as caught it's it's the Europeans, oh right, okay, yeah, so
1: we've won gold or silver gold or silver in the Europeans, okay. and all the other guys who are clean, yeah, lose their medals, yeah, these are I would so obviously it's a national embarrassment, it's not on the scale of Johnson, it's not as public, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the whole imagination of the
0: country behind him, but those three guys yeah i th- I think everybody felt for those three guys, there was an enormous awesome amount of sympathy for them, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of anger against Chambers.
1: And there was a huge amount of and Friday, wasn't there, when Chambers made an appearance on a, a reality TV show a number of years later? I can't remember, was it, was it a cooking show or something? And he just imploded. He, he? just publicly imploded and had a meltdown right. on national telly. Oh, and right. everybody went, Well, sucks to be you. <laughs> Nobody cared. It's like, I remember reading the thing in the press, it was just like, Well, yeah, you, know, you screwed those guys over publicly in the name of British sport. <laughs> Screw you! You don't get a second chance, you know, yeah. or you blew it. Yeah. Interestingly, Dwayne Chambers had this thing of the leaping performance, mm-hmm. and I remember when that came out. Was, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Richard, talk as he, he's he's in, into sport and into following the, the athletics. I remember him saying about how he'd grown in a muscular way. All right, as, as a sports fan, he just noticed and then like post-fact, when it came out, he kind of went, oh, yeah, yeah, there was, you could see this step change mm-hmm. in his performance. Just to finish the, the Johnson story, I've got a little bit about his career subsequently. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> it's generally bizarre. He acts for a little while as a coach to a chap called Al-Sad Gaddafi, who's the son of Gaddafi, General like Gaddafi. Colonel Gaddafi, right. who, was, was, who was an aspiring footballer.
0: Right, okay.
1: Yeah, and so they employ Johnson as a coach to get him to fitness to improve his performance on the national team or whatever. It's all very, obviously, yeah. just weed. So this is the kind of people he's in league with. He was then racing in Japan, racing horses and turtles and other things. <laughs> racing turtles? Yeah. So turtles or tortoises? Turtles. So presumably this was for, like, Japanese TV. Now, I think there was, like, by, by all kinds, a bit of a charity element to this. Okay but presumably they had a running track and like a, a water track next to it and they <laughs> prodded a turtle up its bum or something. And it, and it's just very peculiar. This he did actually odd. have
0: a running comeback, you know. You well, see? yes, he did. He had the running comeback because he got a two-year ban initially yeah, mm-hmm. and then proceeds to... Got on the Canadian Olympic team for Barcelona in 92. Right. But flopped. He uh, stumbled out of the blocks and right. didn't come anywhere, didn't place anywhere. Right. And then subsequently got caught for
1: drugs again. Here we have the measure of the man. I find that very sad. I find that very tragic for him. Mm-hmm. Because maybe I could give a young man, badly advised, very focused, very. You know, with an ego the size of Texas or whatever. Well, perhaps. Ontario. Saskatchewan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
0: It's supposed to be people too. And so maybe he had a chance for. Redemption. Yeah. Even if he'd come back and you know not placed anywhere, you or came fourth or fifth or something, but did it cleanly. Yeah. Yeah. People would have gone, oh well, good on you. Well, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You had your day in the sun, but at least you've paid your you've paid your penance and you yeah. came in fought honourably. Mm-hmm. You know, and the chance was missed.
0: It's ill news.
1: So we've talked about drugs historically, drugs in the Johnson case, the Dwayne Chambers case. Obviously, the main, we can't talk about drugs in sport without mentioning... Armstrong. Lance Armstrong, right, in cycling. Again, Armstrong has a thing. The I can't remember the name of the journalist. He's a really prize-winning journalist now because of his work on the Armstrong case. Was it the Sunday Telegraph he worked I for? I think so. I think it was, wasn't it? So the Telegraph deserve a lot of praise, I think, because they stuck, they stuck to their guns when they knew there was a thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of other media were buying into the mythos, and I remember seeing an interview with him, uh, the journalist, and he had interviewed Lance Armstrong in his early career. Mm-hmm. He was doing well, but he sort of peaked, yeah. and he, like as a professional sports journalist in cycling, he just had this impression that he was a moderate to good cyclist, but just had reached his yep. peak he wasn't really going to get anywhere and then suddenly a step change in performance yeah of course what happens when that eventually gets exploded is not only does it destroy Lance Armstrong who's this great inspirational figure but it
0: damages cycling and it just blows the lid off cycling yeah in a big way and it's still not properly recovered I mean they're still yeah just uh, they all suspect all the time
1: yeah and the recent allegations of, of what went on with Team Sky and this package that got delivered whatever you know there's there's a whole new story about that that sort of went on last was it last year I think yeah there's this smell isn't there there's this smell that hovers over the rotting corpse of professional cycling and here's the thing right in cycling in particular like, things like the Tour de France but Tour de France but let's just think about things like the 100 metres
0: in the Olympics. All the things we're asking people to do in human. I think to expect people to constantly break records in the 100 metres is ridiculous. We're, we're expecting humans to get better at doing that thing year on year. yeah, And it's just not going to happen. It's that can't stupid. possibly be the case. Cycling, like the tour i think it possibly is inhuman how you can do that without drugs or the other kinds of artificial help they have oh yeah you've either got to be an absolute machine or you're going to fail do you know much about it do you you know much about the tour and how it works not just constant it's they don't stop they don't have any breaks of any reasonable length at all right and the up and down the mountains and it's insanity how a, a person can put their body through that and here's
1: the thing right so we've got records that have been set in the tour de france maybe it's five ten years ago on each individual section and the whole tour itself and whatever. Well, given the state of, well, what happens what is exposed under Armstrong, but also the state of athletics 20, 30 years ago, who says that all of those records aren't sus
0: in some way? Yeah. And now now we're expecting clean athletes to meet those targets? Yeah. I've asked a few people who are into cycling. They don't, they're not cyclists, but they're some... They're spectators, they're fans. They're they're fans. I've asked them, because the Tour has been going on essentially since bicycles were invented. Obviously, back in, you know, 1902, bikes were significantly heavier, really significantly heavier. Oh, yeah. They didn't have, you know, any kind of suspension or that kind of thing. The Tour can't possibly have been the same. No. It can't possibly have been the same event as it is now, because they just, there was no way. And... I've never had a sensible answer back from any of them. To explain to me, as someone who doesn't really know much about about it, as the bikes have become more technologically advanced and people have become able to be professional cyclists, whereas, you know, in 1902, Mm -hmm. you were probably... You know, a gentleman cyclist. Yeah, a man
1: of leisure sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you
0: probably also, you know, you had a, a monoplane out the back, and you. <laughs> uh,
1: and the valet who uh, dressed you in the morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: you, you, you wouldn't have, and they wouldn't have had the training regimes and the science behind it yeah. that we have now. So the demands have got to have increased. They have to have over yeah. time. must have and have we taken it because that's got
1: yeah that's got to be the response hasn't it that once everybody can do this thing easily because technology's improved training's improved professionalism has come in we make it a little bit bit harder Harder. yeah so like we get instead of nobody fails to complete the tour 10% of the field fails to complete or 50% of the field Mm -hmm. from the start you know that that progression is natural like It just plays into human frailty. If if, if the demands we're making on people is inhuman, and cheating's the only way to get through, or to win, we're just opening the door? Is sport about getting over the line, or is it some some other test of character? Is it a moral test? Are we expecting them to be more perfect than us? Because who hasn't looked over... Because, see, this is Johnson's point. Who hasn't looked over the shoulder of your mate having a test in school, or... Yeah. You know, the spelling test or whatever it was. And cheated a bit. Who hasn't cheated a little bit in their lives? Yeah. I know it just seems weird that we're expecting them to be on, like, a higher moral plane. And then we're opening the door to cheat, cheating. And then they'll be really much. surprised yeah. that it happens. Yeah. Which says to me, because we get this cat and mouse game, particularly on drugs. You know, new drugs come in. They can't test for them. Then they do test for them. And, oh, somebody gets, gets caught. And, you know, this cycle happens. The drugs are changing all the time. The, the, the dwayne chambers case the thG thing was just you. They would argue now you know the anti doping people would say oh we have a, we have a much more proactive thing that These are all the reforms that came in after the Johnson case, but even so it goes on. People still keep getting caught, as per the Russians we mentioned earlier on old news. Here's my question. Why not just legalise the lot?
0: Well, the argument would be that you're then disproportionately disadvantaging poorer countries right. and poorer athletes. That, that, that is already true in terms of medical
1: care, training, and yeah. facilities. So what's different? Surely we can just eliminate this and just say, you know what, people do themselves terrible damage as professional sports people anyway. Yeah. So why do we just say you get over it's an entertainment it is it's an entertainment industry let's not forget mm-hmm. so you get over that line yeah. you get over that line as fast however as you, you can yeah. however you want from a like an absolute point of view i i, I find that difficult to argue against Mm -hmm. other than like it's encouraging people to potentially damage themselves in in ways that are maybe more intrinsic but what's what's the real difference between that and technology like we we were talking about this thing the swimming isn't it? there's a there's an excellent chart which i suggest people go dig out on the on the internet of the the world records in i think it's the 100 meters freestyle in the swimming because that's kind of a one the the kind of the premier sprint in swimming the records have improved but there's a step change in the records each time each time a new bit of technology is allowed yeah and the first one is the introduction of the tumble turn so when they introduce the tumble turn at the end of the pool the next one is oh what is is it like the elimination of when they have the the slopey edge of the pool so you get rid of the ripples like Mm. much more quickly get like a flatter surface Yeah, yeah there's all these different things you can see, like, there's three or four step changes. If you eliminate those changes on the average and just take them out, and then look at the records, the hundred meters freestyle hasn't really improved that much. No, and and that says that really that humans backs up,
0: aren't getting better. People aren't that getting backs better up at your it. your earlier arguments. Technology is getting better.
1: Yeah, and so why not the drugs? We
0: could have we could have rules about safety. We
1: could say these drugs you know you come to us with a new drug you want to use so long as you can make a safety case to say that it's not going to destroy so-and-so's liver instead of having an anti-doping agency just have a drugs approval agency you (laughs) can hear the
0: the heads of sports fans Uh, exploding around the world yeah yeah how dare these people who know nothing about sport have opinions (laughs) yeah go go back to your technology and disasters But I like this, right? Because that, that's an
1: interesting moral question, isn't it? Because I think then we get into this, that there is this sort of political arena. And, well, not political arena, but like look at the, the Olympic ideal. And much mm-hmm. as I'm not a sports person, I'm not a huge sports fan, I buy into the Olympic ideals. Yeah,
0: me too. Look. I always think back to the original Olympics in Greece. They weren't, well... They some had a religious element to them. They had a, yeah, they did, but... It was about sending your best athletes to do the best in for the glory of
1: Crete and Sparta
0: and Athens, Athens and, yeah. and wherever. Yeah, yeah, they would not have been into drugs. Yeah. But then I don't know what all the different competitions were, but I bet there was ones that involved, well, javelin, discus. Yeah, yeah. the the old the you old old sports d- Were they, you know, making the discuses more streamlined? And, yeah. You know, if you could get your discus smoother. Yeah. Was that cheating? Polish your discus with beeswax or with yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Oh, I've got this uh, yeah. this oil from Azerbaijan. Yeah. Look, mm. it makes it even <laughs> slippier.
1: But but if you're against this sort of intervention, right, like drugs, then like I said said this earlier before in the discussion we had pre the show, right? Why not just standardize technology? Mm-hmm. Everybody gets the same javelin. Everybody gets the same discus. Everybody gets the same
0: bicycle. Yeah. You know. Well, the thing is, in some sports. That's true. Was it like in javelin, discus, they do get the same javelins and discuses, don't they? I believe. I think you have your own javelin. Do you It's it? not like a tennis racket. That's I mean.
1: there's oh. another one. Everybody should just get the same same t- tennis racket, different yeah. sizes, perhaps. We could, for, yeah,
0: different, maybe different weights, that yeah, kind of thing, perhaps, for different sizes. Yeah, people I'll sort of appreciate that. Perhaps, but, but I mean, the same, the same bike, the same. Yeah, I mean, there are standards. See, this is the things that there's standards to be met, <laughs> and the, the comparison you drew before was with.
1: Uh, Formula One.
0: Yes. When you're watching Formula One, you've got the driver, and you it's a competition of their skill, but it's also a competition of the, the engine manufacturer mm. and the car manufacturer. But in principle,
1: you see, it's all about emphasis, isn't it? Because in principle, mm. like... When, when you're designing a tennis racket or whether you're designing an F1 car you've got a set of standards you probably have to work to yeah. I imagine javelins have to have a certain amount of weight in the front and a certain amount of weight in the back and the mm-hmm. grip has to be with it or whatever mm-hmm. that is probably the same for discus, hammer and so we accept that there's some degree of limits but there's no there's variation within that
0: yeah i thought you were going to go a different way there when you said it's a difference in emphasis because to me the emphasis in formula one is it's more the teams. The technology it's more right the technology yeah yeah it's how have mercedes improved this year mm. are ferrari going to catch yeah. up with mercedes uh, I'm going to gonna do See, anything other than just fail completely and be awful for, so that's always right
1: so what I find totally arbitrary in this is there was the swimsuits in the swimming which had yeah. like the shark skin thing right? and there was, like the all over swimsuits which had better frictional resistance against the water I should know all about that anyway um, they had better skin friction, and they got banned. And I find that arbitrary. It's like they're not like extending their hands or they're not paddling and, you know, they're not bringing an oar with them
0: or flippers (laughs) or like an outboard motor or whatever. It's just... But this is where it comes back to. Well, either everyone has that. Yeah. Or everyone doesn't. But we've allowed these technology changes in the swimming in the past. Yeah. So what was
1: wrong with that technology? Exactly. Because ultimately, everybody would have had it. Mm-hmm. you know because that was a technology developed by presumably by like speedo or something Their kind of textile technology other rival companies that like, you know presumably would quickly swimwear firms would similar. come up with some something similar yeah you know because you know it's a natural thing they're just looking at shark skin and how that works why ban that and not anything else in particular like either standardize everything or legalize everything perhaps people who feel more strongly about boss will come in with good arguments against it to my mind when people cheat and lie often you can't prevent that so you take away the motivation to cheat and lie and if you can't remove the motivation then you just incorporate it into the system Some somehow you make it transparent and yeah. you do that as legalizing everything but then it's less about the person <laughs> it's it's old news I think we were both quite nervous about this topic mm-hmm. i've I've enjoyed the way it's gone yeah. the way we've ended up in, like this is quite a philosophical question mm-hmm. about what competition is for and you know its role in national identity and entertainment industry and all the rest of it. it is just very multifaceted and I think we've done well to talk for an hour without yeah without I think,
0: it. I think there's a good chance we're gonna get stronger opinions about this than we we've had from anything else are you saying we've been a bit controversial a little bit i've been controversial i I just think that (laughs) there's so many people we know that are into sport yeah who have opinions i can imagine some text messages from someone i know oh really yeah are they going to be bad yeah because he's asked me about my opinions on this before and hasn't liked them (laughs) Excellent. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't really have very strong opinions on stuff that's kind of more important, questionably. But will not hesitate have, yeah.
1: to voice their opinions on the sans-pour. is true, yeah. More important, uh, to which they have emotional investment. Yeah, yeah. That okay. is the difference, isn't yeah. it? The things that we might value,
0: we have emotional investment in, they are emotionally attached to. Yeah, whereas we don't have any emotional investment at all. At all, really. yeah except when the Olympics are on, or more specifically the Winter Olympics. I shocked everybody at work by saying, oh, I quite like watching the Winter Olympics because there's significantly more chance of serious injury. Ah. <laughs> the responses I got, there was one lad at the far end of the office chuckling away to himself. <laughs> Everyone else was horrified at how disgusting I was. But, it, but it's, it's true. true,
1: there's like there is a, there's a car crash element to yeah. sports. Yeah. That, that, it's kind of fundamentally part of the show. Yeah. Right? It's the gladiatorial thing. Okay, we don't spill blood quite so much. I yeah. put people to the sword, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I can understand that. news podcast as always would like to extend its thanks to bensound.com for them supplying royalty-free music and also to mr peter kitson for the use of his voice
0: thank you for listening thank you and goodbye goodbye